Jesus, while he was walking on planet earth, before he ascended back into heaven where he came from, the God of heaven, the God of creation, while he was walking in human flesh amongst us, he was our, our prophet, our king, and our priest. Prophet, priest, and king. He was our high priest. The whole book of Hebrews is designated to describe to us how Jesus has become our great high priest. And we have been given that same identity. When Jesus went back to the Father and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, we received the spirit of sonship, and the spirit of sonship anointed us for ministry. He anointed us to become, did I say annoyed? He anointed us, he didn't annoy us, he anointed us to become ministers. See, there's been this, this thing in Christianity for hundreds of years probably, where the church, though it started out, everyone filled with the Holy Spirit, released to do the, the works of ministry, whether you were you know, a, a teenager or child or a, a woman in that, in that setting or a man or an apostle or a prophet or whatever your, your gifting was, in spite of gifting, they, they, I believe they recognized that they were sent ones, that they were on a mission to change the earth, to change their cities, to establish churches, to, to create places for believers to come together and pray and worship together and do life together and become what God has called them to be, ministers. But somewhere along the line, there, there was this shifting. You could call it organized religion. You know, the, the church went back to the Old Testament pattern of separating the people from the ministers. You have, we, we would call it today, the clergy and the laity. You've got the, the pastors and the ministers, and then you've got the people. And, and that separation basically has, some, some have said it's kind of like that has neutered. I know I'm using graphic language here children. That just means what, that's what we do to our pets when we take them to the vet and we have, have their, their stuff snipped so they can't, you know, get pregnant. They can't procreate and make more kittens or puppies. The church, in many ways, over time has been neutered by that lie that those who go off to Bible college, those that, that go off and get all the training, they are the ministers. Oh, you're a, you're a pastor. You, where did you go to Bible college? Oh, that's your full-time, oh, oh, you work as a mailman and a pastor? I'm just saying that all of us, all of us are called to be a priest, first and foremost, unto the Lord. Like, that is your number one job description before God, is to love Jesus, to worship, worship the Lord, to press into his presence, and then to be a priest or a minister to those around you whatever your sphere of influence is. So now that we preach the message, why don't we stand up? Let's do a declaration. Can we do that? And then we're going to worship. Awesome. It's quiet, but I'm not going to allow that to distract me tonight because you guys are really quiet, like church mice. Shh. Yeah. Well, you're going to get loud, hopefully, in a minute. I, I, I do want to encourage you guys the, the realm of the Spirit that we are standing in right now, 
and you walk in it all day long. You walk in, in an atmosphere where the spirit realm is real. It's more real. When everything that you're looking at right now, all of this physical matter, one day it's going to be rolled up like a scroll and it's going to be burned. But the realm of the spirit will last forever. It does not, it does not rot. It does not wither. It does not fade. The realm of, of the kingdom where Jesus rules and reigns is filled with his presence. It's filled with angelic activity. I want to encourage you guys to let your worship tonight, let, let our declaration that we're going to make in just a second before we step into worship, let, let there be a revelation in your own heart and mind that your words activate the angelic realm, that your words release life into this physical world. Jesus told us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on the earth just as it is in heaven. So what we get the privilege of doing tonight as we get ready to worship, we get to pull on heaven as we declare praises to God. So let's, let's let that become the thing that, that not only frees us to sing tonight, but let it, let it cause something in your spirit to rise up and recognize that your worship of God is shifting the atmosphere around us. It's actually changing you, too. Like, there is a transformation that happens to you and me as we worship God. So you ready to make a declaration? You're, you're like, I'm standing. Are you going to stop preaching? Here we go. You guys ready? I thought I clicked on it. There we go. Okay, here we go. Together. Father God, today we are believing you for heaven opened and earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declarations, impartations, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provision and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revelation. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessings, and increase upon me. So I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was about the weakest hallelujah I've ever heard. One more time. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship Jesus, you guys. God, we just thank you for this time, this sweet time. We get to just come and, and worship you and praise you. God, we love just being in your presence, basking in your presence, God. We thank you for this time that we get to come and do that. We love this time when we can just come and love on you. God, we can just truly just set aside all other things and just worship you. God, and that's what we do right now. That's what we've been doing right now, God, is just setting aside all other things to be in your presence and to tell you how much we love you, how great you are, how wonderful you are, how grateful we are. God, thank you. 
thank you for all your blessings, God. Thank you for all your sacrifices. God, thank you for all your love. God, we just bless your name. We just bask in your presence right now. you tonight. Just stay in that place of worship with him. Father, you're so worthy. God, you're worthy of our praise, God. God, we thank you that you're so faithful to us. God, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. That your intentions for us are always good, Father. God, we thank you for your sweet presence tonight. just to worship you. Just let your presence continue to fall, Father. Just let your glory fall.
we come together and what can we do but praise you your goodness we praise you your worthiness we praise you the way that you take care of each one of us lord we praise you for that and our families lord we praise you there is no other god besides you there is no other way besides your way your goodness knows no bounds your redemption knows no limits where would any of us be lord without your redemptive power without your going after us and bringing us back the lost sheep we thank you for that lord no matter how far we stray you come and get us until we just we cannot stand to be away from you there is no place to run to besides to you lord there is nobody that holds the the breath of life besides you and we just thank you lord and we praise you we just take joy in you lord Thank you, Lord, for, for being my protector and being so loving and kind. Uh, no, never known any, any love besides yours, love, uh, besides yours, Lord. And it's truly amazing. Uh, every day, always, always a blessing. Be in your presence, Lord. Thank you. circumstances don't determine your worthiness of my worship. You're worthy, Lord, whether I'm by myself or this room is packed full of people and Bethel students, your worthiness of my worship is always the same. God, I thank you that the atmosphere does not have to determine my worship of you. That all hell can be breaking loose around me. Yet in the middle of the storm, I can worship you because you're worthy. God, we give you a sacrifice of worship tonight. Even those of us in the room who may have pain or difficult circumstances. Lord, we offer to you tonight a sacrifice of praise. We give you praise when things don't look exactly how we want it to look. We give you worship because you deserve it all. Jesus, you, 
you paid for my sin on the cross. I have been bought with your precious blood and I am no longer my own, but I belong to you. You purchased me. And I would encourage everyone in the room to make that declaration before you tonight, that my life is not my own, but I belong to you. You bought me with your blood. the attitude of worship right now and I want to encourage you tonight if if you in the in worship tonight if you were seeing or sensing something the Lord was showing you I want to open up the invitation for you to share that it's a it's a safe group tonight I don't have a bunch of new people that I would have to be cautious with so I trust all you all in the room so if you saw something in the spirit, if the Lord showed you something, if there was a, a deep sense of something of the Lord, of something of his presence, let's just take a minute and let's just encourage each other to share that. It's funny, oftentimes I'll hear about what somebody saw afterwards, after the meeting's over, and that's, that's great. But sometimes God shows you something, he gives you some insight, some revelation, because he actually wants you to be able to contribute that to the building of our faith. And I get jazzed up when I hear things that God's showing you. I, I just get excited. So if anyone's got something, just pop your hand up and uh, Vanna White will bring the <laughs> microphone over to you. <laughs> Okay, Christopher's got something. This, this morning, you know, or, or just right before service started, I uh, prayed to God, uh, how can I become a better man? And, and how will I become uh, one day a better husband or a better friend or uh, just, just a better person overall? And, and I was like, you know, can you please show me a message? And so the first thing that Almost, almost, almost the first thing I seen was, is no longer me that that lives. It's uh, Christ who lives in me, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I didn't expect the message to just be, hit me right there. So it was real, real awesome to see. And so I gotta just keep diving into God's word and and just know He has my back. Awesome, good word, man. You guys take that for yourself. Take it, take it. 
it's the scriptures, that's truth. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And he's, you know, the awesome thing about God is he's not like a bully. He doesn't just make you walk that truth out. He gives you and I the opportunity to yield to him, submit to him. Like we could take the steering wheel back and we can drive the car ourselves. But that's like the dead man driving, right? Because if I'm no longer living, but Christ lives in me, then it's a lot safer to have something alive, someone alive like Jesus steering my life than the dead man. Yeah. Let's let him <laughs> Yeah. Anybody else got something? That was good. Oh, my sister's looking like she's got something, but no? Oh, okay. You don't want to share what Dale saw last week? Nah, it's okay. Oh, he told Tammy. When did you share? Do you remember what it was? The ankle deep water that Amy was sharing the scripture about the river of water. Yeah, he saw right before that he saw the same thing, but um, the river was gold. And then I can't remember what else he saw. I don't. I don't know. So there was something else, but. Young people who don't have a junior Holy Spirit, do you have anything <laughs> you that the Lord anything? showed you tonight? Savannah, Nora? Oscar, yeah. <laughs> and I want to encourage you guys. Um, the Lord speaks to us in so many different ways. So for some, it's a picture. For some, it's a scripture that was a Bible verse. Um, for some of us, it's a, it's a sense, a feeling. You just felt the peace of the Lord. I'm pretty sure that you were feeling the peace of the Lord tonight and still are. That's, that's just him. If he wasn't here, you would feel it. You would feel, well, if he wasn't here, then you wouldn't be here because he lives inside of you. So if he lifts out of here, you're going to get lifted out of here with him. That's what we call the rapture. Jill's hands. There you go. This wasn't about tonight, but this week I was really worshiping. I, I was listening to Hessler's and uh, their new worship, and I was just really getting into it. And, and I've never had this happen before, but I saw Jesus dancing, and he was just dancing like you see in the Middle East where they go in circles. And he had like a vest on, and his vest was just swinging around, and he was just so happy. And I thought that was really cool. Awesome. That's good. Did you guys know that's biblical? In Zephaniah, one of those little tiny Old Testament books, I think it's Zephaniah 316. It's an easy way to remember it. Right around in that vicinity, but I think it's 316. It says that the Lord rejoices over us with singing. He rejoices over us with joy. And I'm pretty sure that um, some people have interpreted, if you look into the Hebrew meaning of those words, it, it can mean he dances over us. He rejoices. He twirls. He's definitely joyful. Yeah. Awesome. How about this? Has anyone in the room um, had a, a greater awareness of the supernatural realm this last week? 
that you would want to share about? No? Okay. I won't twist anyone's arm. I took part in a three-day, um, three sessions and th three days in a row of uh, a Zoom call from a guy named Ian... What's his last name? Ian Carroll. He's an Irishman. And uh, it was called Angels, Atmospheres, and Assignments. And just listening to him, he actually prayed for me when we were at Bethel. And uh, we, we met his social media person last year. Um, and so I was intrigued because he's, uh, he's kind of like a Christian mystic. That's not a bad thing. That just, that's what we use, the word we use to describe someone who's very aware or in tune with the spirit realm around them. Sometimes people that are mystics, they actually see things that are happening in the spirit. They see angelic activity. So anyway, listening to his first session um, Monday morning, no, whatever morning it was, Wednesday. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay, so Thursday morning, his message on angels, it just totally caused something inside of me to become more aware of angelic activity. Did you know that angels are mentioned more times in the New Testament than prayer? It's something he brought up. He, even more than the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Not to say that the Holy Spirit is to be ignored. I mean, if we're going to ignore anything, it's going to be the angels, not the Holy Spirit. But, but the reality is angelic activity is so prominent in the Bible. And the more you become aware of, in your belief system of their, their activity and the necessity of their interaction in our lives as Christians especially. Basically, he said this, believing is seeing. The more we renew our mind with truth and believe the truth, the more you're actually going to begin seeing. So Friday morning at work, I, you know, we have this big room that's about three times the size of this room. Ceiling's twice as high. And all of the carriers are all around the edges of the room at their little case, putting the mail together. And we start the morning out with a stand-up talk. And the supervisor comes out and gives us a little chat. And I felt like I could see two angels just swirling around the room. And then I was like asking God, is, is that what's really happening? And I felt like as I asked him that, that I was realizing there were other presences of, of angelic, other angelic presence around the room, standing around the room. It was interesting. So that was my two cents. I often feel like during worship, it's this kind of particular, it feels like someone's got a feather and like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're now on my hand. <laughs> oh, on your hand. On my hand. I can just feel like somebody taking a feather, brushing a feather on my hand. <laughs> yeah. So that I know that when I feel that I'm like, okay, you're right there. I know they're there. And I've had it happen where I've been in the kitchen before at home. And now the corner of my eye, because I can see pretty far, just looking straight ahead. My peripheral is pretty wide. And um, I could see something outside our window, but it had like, it was blue. And I look over, it'd be gone. And I'm like, okay, like, 
I, it's like almost like I could see as I'm getting ready to turn my head that it's moving. And I'm pretty sure it's our angels around the house. I've had that happen a lot. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's fun. I, I want to be, so our Wednesday night class had one part of it um, this last week was more about encouraging yourself or strengthening yourself in the Lord through thanksgiving and praise. Um, but the previous week, I think it was something that he talked about, just becoming more aware of, of the, the realm of the Spirit around us. Anyway, that's not the message for tonight, but just kind of wanted to encourage you guys, if, if God's showing you something, this would be a good night to uh, share that. You didn't see any angels on the way here, Judah? No, just an angel driving a car. She was hot. <laughs> Charlie's angels. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, we're going to shift gears in our cars here. We won't talk about the dream I had with the speedboat. That was just too bizarre. I, I can't even explain it. It's okay, I don't want to go there. Okay. I had a dream that we were in a room and it was packed full of young people and they were all hands up in the air worshiping super loud and as they were worshiping one person dropped down on the floor like they went out in the spirit and everyone quieted down like something happened i mean i knew he got just the presence of god hit him and then it shifted from that to tammy and i being on a speedboat out on the water and it just started going faster and faster. There was no steering wheel. I had no way to control it. It started going really fast, and the, the nose of the boat was going up, and I couldn't see where it was going. And there was a couple buttons. I, I thought one was to slow it down, and it made it go faster <laughs> until we fell off. <laughs> so if that's a picture of ministry, we're not going to fall off. Though, fall off. Even if the Holy Spirit takes us for a wild ride. But what were you... I was going to say that oftentimes, like boats or cars, they represent ministry. And so many times, like I take that as God is going to take us on this fast journey somewhere. We don't know where we're going because we can't see. But obviously, He's in control because you weren't steering it. So there were some big waves. Too. And I don't necessarily thinking, think falling <laughs> off meant falling out of ministry. Were you falling? You're falling in the water, which is there you go. which is his, That's his presence. That's right. We fell out at our destination. We yeah. were in over our heads. Yep. Because as soon so. as I fell off, and Tammy was, she fell off first. Just in case it does get interpreted <laughs> different. Great. She fell off, and then I kind of the boat just. I mean, it's I fell off too, and it, the boat stopped. And, but that was it. That was the dream. Yeah. So that was my dream interpretation for you today. Okay. You're welcome. I'll receive that. If you want to receive it for me, just say, I receive it for you. So this is really going to be a simple encouragement tonight, but I really do believe it's going to encourage you guys. I want to encourage myself even in this because so many things happen in our lives. So much stuff as Christians pulls our attention. We got work, we have house work, we have uh, holidays, we have events, and we have church gatherings, we have, we travel, sometimes we, we travel for church things, you know, most of you just travel for enjoyment, but, you know, so there's all of these things that happen, all of 
people in our family get married, you know. It, there's planning, there's just stuff that pulls your attention here and there. And sometimes I feel like our, our vertical connection, so you know, all of that stuff, that's, I call that like our horizontal responsibilities. We gotta maintain all the plates that are spinning around us. For some of us, you know, for, especially for kids, you might just have one little plate that's spinning. And that's good, that's the way God intended it. And you will get more plates, more responsibilities added to your life as you grow up. Some of us, as we get older, we have lots of plates spinning. Some of us, it's just a few, and that's, you know, whatever God has given you to maintain, then that's what you are to take care of. That's your responsibility. And as a side note, there are possibilities that people or even the enemy could try to add to your responsibilities, stuff that God doesn't want you to carry. He doesn't want you to try to add to your life. If somebody approached me and said, I feel like you're supposed to start a homeless ministry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel God calling me to that. If we have people that come here that are currently not living in a, in a dwelling as a house, then we wanna love on people and we wanna encourage them and strengthen them. But my call from God is not to go out and to take food and clothing to people that are living in tents. Does that make sense? That's not my call. Is that a good thing? Yeah. I think it's awesome when people do that. Was there ever a time where I went out and gave Bibles or offered prayer to people? Yeah, there's been lots of times. I've walked up to people sitting on the ground outside of the grocery stores and it was the Holy Spirit prompting my heart to go to them and, and just encourage them. Sometimes, you know, God says that person hasn't felt human touch for a long time and they need that right now. But if I was to add that to my plate, I would be bringing in something that God does not want me to do. He needs to be the one. What I'm getting to is there's all of these things horizontally around us that, that we could get pulled to do, responsibilities. Sometimes all of that stuff can pull us away from our vertical relationship with God. It's all of the cares of the world that come and they, they pull us, they, they try to choke out the life of God. So it's important that we make time because one of those responsibilities is to make space, like the song, we make room, we make space, we, want, we need to make time for God's presence in our lives. I've heard it said, you know, sheep feed in the morning. So people say, well, that, you should set that as your first priority to begin your day, to, to get into the word of God, to pray, to worship. That's, that's an ideal, I think that's great. If you miss it in the morning, then that, that doesn't mean you can't make time in the afternoon or in the evening to spend some time with God. But. Uh, Man's chief end, as a, on the screen it says, man's chief end is to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Like, if we get to a place where we start not enjoying God in our lives, then all of the other stuff's gonna follow. It's gonna be like, well, I don't even really wanna go to church. Why do I wanna go to church? If I'm not enjoying God in my personal life, why would I wanna, you know, there's other stuff that I would rather do. And then just the cares of the world pull our attention. Yeah, just because things are good doesn't mean it's God. 
and we need to learn to say no to the things God hasn't called us to so that we can say yes to the things that he has called us to. And some, it's, you're right, so many times those things can just distract us or drain us to where we feel like we have nothing left to give. And there's so many things that aren't meant for us to carry or to be involved in, even though they're good things, we're not necessarily called to those things. And we need to know what our peace is and we need to be able to keep our peace. And if we're operating out of that, more than likely it's not God. Operating outside. Outside of that, yeah. yeah. Is that good, you guys okay? Okay, I think that's good, that's good wisdom. My number one ministry in this life is to be devoted to Jesus before her, before this lady. As much as I love spending time with her, my number one ministry in life is to be a laid down, surrendered lover of God. Then my next ministry is my wife, and after my wife are my, is my children. And then after my children is the body of Christ. I know kids, you're like, what? Why are we after mom? We're your kids. <laughs> but the, the reality is kids grow up and they start their own families. And who are you left with? The, well, and the if bump on a lot. <laughs> That's what they would, she would say about me if I neglected her. Yeah, true, totally. And if there's not a healthy marriage, there's not a healthy family. And it's important that mom and dad are priority, obviously besides Jesus, but mom and dad are priority because if they're not, then the kids aren't seeing a healthy example. Stuff will get into your marriage. Yeah, it's just, you go down a bad road doing that. So if you're married, Looks like I'm just talking to Tammy. And Forrest. And Forrest, sorry. <laughs> He's married. He is. <laughs> She's home with a migraine. A migraine. Uh, if you're single, if you're widowed, if you're if you're alone, if you are an adult, your number one ministry, your number one relationship is Jesus. Before I met her, the Lord was my I had a ring. I had a silver ring, I wore it on this hand. I thought it'd be weird to put it on my wedding hand. And it had inscribed around, it was silver. It says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. I wanted my life to be fully devoted to Jesus. And I knew that if I delighted myself in the Lord above everything else, he would give me the desires of my heart. And he did. He brought Mrs. Wright the Mrs. Wright list that we <laughs> talked about. He brought Mrs. Wright into my life. And then, as the scripture says, our devotion to the Lord at that point is divided. <laughs> so I get to make time for him and for my wife. And then you get pregnant and you have children on the scene and boy, you get to learn how to navigate those three things, God, spouse, children. And that whole thing of, you know, first thing in the morning, being able to spend time with the Lord. When you have young children, you don't get that privilege of doing that. And so I think we have to be really careful 
what we put on other people for what when they're going to have their quiet time because oftentimes it wasn't until right before bed or when the kids were down for a nap so or not at all or not at all so it just depended on my day and so I think we have to be careful with that and know that even in those times where we don't get to sit and have quiet time we're still communing with him with whatever we're doing during the day and um, that doesn't mean we love him less and doesn't mean he loves us less. There are seasons. There are seasons it, doesn't, sure. it doesn't negate the importance of spending time with the Lord, but if you are a mom taking care of a baby and, man, the baby's finally asleep, is your first desire to, <laughs> to crack open the Bible and just start worshiping? No, you're probably going to want to take a nap or try to clean something that you haven't been able to get to because that baby won't stop crying. Anyway. You guys get the point. But if, if you have the ability to bring that discipline, you know, that we're, we're called disciples of Jesus. That's not the message today. It's not about being disciples. It's actually about being priests. But as, as disciples, as disciplined ones, we get to discipline ourselves. We get to actually try to structure our, our time that we have and make room for God. And it's a lot easier when you're single and you don't have a spouse or children to just give him hours of your day. But anyway, today, we're gonna get into this. I don't know, I felt like maybe this is a series, so I'm just gonna call it an identity series. We talk a lot about identity here. And even last Sunday, when we were talking about the release of the supernatural, the Holy Spirit being released out of us, the anointing of God flowing, in and through our lives, you know, we are dispensers of the, of the goodness, of the glory of God. Out of our bellies, rivers of living water flow. Part of that flow happens as we walk in our identity. If I don't believe that I have a river of living water flowing out of me, if I don't believe that the Spirit of God is indwelling inside of me and wants to get out, not get out like I can't stand being in this guy, but wants to get out so I can touch other people through him or her and continue to pour in because you're like a, a pipeline for heaven and there's no end of what he has. So as we give it away, as we release it out, he will just pour more in. So identity is important. Knowing who we are is important. Knowing what your ministry is, what God's job assignment for you is, is important. So I would say your number one job assignment, yours and my number one job assignment is to be a minister or a priest of God. So welcome to the priesthood of all believers, ladies and gentlemen. Just say it, I am a priest. I am a priest, I'm a priest of Jesus. A priest of, and that was a question I, I kind of jotted down. I was like, we need to ask ourselves it, currently, what am I being a priest of? Is Jesus on the throne? Is he in the center of my life? Or am I being a priest of Judas? <laughs> Get it, Judas priest. Anyway, okay, I lost half of you. You're like, what does that even mean? It's just a band. Sometimes it's a name people get if their name is Judith. So, <laughs> Judith priest. Anyway, okay. I don't know if I've convinced you guys yet that you're a priest, so let's look at the word of God. Shall we? There. We toned the angels down just so you could focus. So this is your chance to chew on the 
tasty, delicious steak of the Word of God. I'm hungry, I think. So let's look at this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, He has appointed some, as Jesus, has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, some with the grace to be pastors, and some with the grace to be teachers. That's what we call the five-fold ministry. Most churches, most of Christianity in our nation, they only recognize pastors and teachers and the evangelist that travels around. Billy Graham has gone to be with the Lord, so now we've got people like Greg Laurie. You know, there's other well-known names, but most people only think of those two. A lot of the church world doesn't embrace prophets and apostles. All five are mentioned there. We won't get into that today. That's a whole other message on the fivefold ministry and the importance of those five gifts that God has given to the church that Jesus gave us. But there it says in the scripture, their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So the fivefold ministry including pastors, I guess that's what I am, I'm a pastor, maybe slash teacher, I don't know, you'll be the judge of that. To some I might be a teacher, to others I'm like annoying. <laughs> Why was I looking at you when I said that? <laughs> the reality is our job is to equip, to, to release into what, as this version of the Bible says, the passion says, to nurture and prepare all of us in this room to do our own work of ministry. So you have your own works of ministry. Ephesians 2 says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, but the gift of God. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has pre prepared for you to do in advance. So you don't have to wonder and worry about what your, your call is in life. You just tuck into God, go deep with him, and he will lead you into the good works, the, the works that he's prepared for in advance for you to do. It's when you disconnect from him and try to do things that you think maybe you're supposed to do or other people tell you you should do, but you're not connected to him, and then you find yourself doing dead works. Does anyone want to do dead works? Okay, it's no fun. All right, let's look at some more scripture. 1 Peter 2.9, this is kind of the basis of this, this identity theme. Peter said, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. Some really good footnotes that I put it, I wanted to share it with you guys. This thing about being God's treasure it's mentioned a couple times in the Old Testament about Israel. In Exodus 19, 5 through 6, and in Malachi 3, 17, God says about his people, you are my chosen treasure. In the New Testament, every believer is called God's chosen treasure. You are his chosen treasure. What does that even mean? The Hebrew word is, well, if I can remember, it was segola. Segola, which means I had to listen to it on the Blue Letter Bible. You click the little speaker and it'll say the word for you. I think that's what it said. But Segola, 
which means a special treasure or possession. It is used to describe guarded wealth, indicating the placement of the king's jewels, treasures, etc., in a safe, protected place because of their extraordinary value. God says that each believer is a priest and king, his unique and special treasure of great importance, a treasure above all other treasures. If you don't leave here with anything else today but that, that understanding that God says you are his treasure, he protects you, he shields you, he guards you, as you felt the Lord was telling you, he guards you, he surrounds you with protection. Not because you're a worthless sinner, barely saved by grace. No, because you were worth, you were of value and worth enough to him that he would actually send his most precious gift to redeem you out of this world. He sent his one and only son to die as a sin offering for you and me. That's how valuable you and I are to him. He wouldn't have done it if we were worth nothing. Why would you send, I would not send one of my children to die for something that was worthless. I can't say I would send my children to die for anything, but in God's perspective, not, 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 even, not even a question mark on that, I wouldn't. I would go before I would let them go. So let's just get that straight. But in God's reality, in God's perspective, he was willing to send his son, the second member of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He, they were willing to send Jesus to take on flesh and blood to become a sin offering for you and me, knowing that he would bear the sins of the world, all of creation. The debt would be put on him on the cross. He would die, he would be buried in a grave, and three days later, the Spirit of God would resurrect him from the grave, proving that he is who he said he was, the Son of God. So we knew, he knew, they knew that that would not end in his death forever, but that the plan was to resurrect him, and now he forever dwells in this resurrected body that he didn't have before he became a human. But anyway, that's not the message either today. He protects you. He guards you. So priests who are kings, priests who are kings, or royal priesthood, says that the nouns are in opposition. It could be a group of kings, a priesthood, or a king's household a priesthood. There are some other possible ways to translate this, such as a priesthood of kings or a kingdom of priests. We'll let you just kind of play around with that in your mind. Just take away the reality that you are, you are royalty, which we stress in this church. You are royal and you are priests. You are ministers. Psalm 26, 6 through 8 says, When I come to your altar, Yahweh, I'll be clean before you, or I will wash my hands in innocence, approaching with songs of thanksgiving, singing songs of your mighty miracles. Yahweh, I love to live in your house, this dwelling place of dazzling glory. That is a picture of what we get to do. That is a picture of what, what can become the joy that you grab hold of in life, going about the altar of God jumping into his presence with thanksgiving, with praise, 
going before him, coming before him in his presence where this translation says there's dazzling glory. You know, one of my first experiences with the presence of God coming upon me was as I worshiped Jesus alone in my house. I was learning to discipline myself by opening the Bible and putting on worship music and just coming before him in worship and prayer and reading the scriptures. And as I worshiped the Lord, as I began to sing that song, I felt for the first time this wind come down upon me and I knew it was the Lord. There was no ceiling fan. I've told, probably told you guys this before, but there was no ceiling fan, nothing blowing air on me. I felt it coming straight down on top of me and I fell on my knees before the Lord. I worshiped him even more laid down than I was before because he made himself, his glory, that's when his presence is felt on your physical body, that is called the glory of the Lord manifesting. The glory is the weight of his character, the weightiness, tangible weight of who he is, his goodness, his peace, his joy, however he wants to release his manifest presence, that is his glory, his multifaceted glory. Acts chapter 13, one through three says, in the church at Antioch, there were a number of prophets and teachers of the word, including Barnabas, Simeon from Niger, Lucius the Libyan, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. While they were worshiping as priests before the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit said, I have called Barnabas and Saul to do an important work for me. Now release them to go and fulfill it. So after they prayed and had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. See, they were being priests before the Lord. They were ministering to the Lord. They were praying. They were fasting. They were setting aside food even just to be in God's presence and in the presence of the Lord as they worshiped, as they, as they did their priestly ministry to the, to the Lord. He spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke. That's why when we come together in this place and we do our priestly activity of worshiping Jesus, we lift, our, lift holy hands and extend ourselves before the Lord. We lay ourselves down, whatever it is. Sometimes we clap our hands, we give a shout of praise. Whatever that expression of worship is that you are giving to God in this place, that is welcoming the presence of the Lord here. The Bible says he is enthroned on our praises. He inhabits the praises of his people. So as we minister unto the Lord, his presence, we become more aware of his presence and we can hear him speak. He shows us things. He reminds us of scripture. He gives us pictures. We sense his tangible presence. So that's a good example in Acts chapter 13 of, the, of them being priests, priests before the Lord. Luke 18, seven through eight says, don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day. He will pour out his spirit upon them. This is talking about prayer. As a priest of God, you and I get to go before the Lord and we get to lay our petitions, lay the cries of our heart before him. We get to bring our groanings, the supplication that's inside of us before the Lord because he cares. He cares about the situations and he's placed you and me as his priests 
to come before him to minister to him and also to intercede on behalf of those around us. So you and I get to pray as priests. We get to minister before the Lord and bring people before the Lord in ministering unto them, even though they're not in the room with us. And we do that through prayer. And so Jesus said, when we do this, he will pour out his spirit upon them. He will pour spirit on us. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. Don't give up. And if I could highlight that and make those letters bigger right now, I would. He will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, and in the, in the same way as the widow. So this came from that whole um, story, the parable Jesus gave us, the widow that goes before the judge, pressing her issue, annoying the judge with her petition, begging the judge to give justice. And that is what, what Jesus is saying we get to do. We get to continue to persist and press into God for breakthroughs, for answers. And he will pour his spirit out on us. Even so, Jesus said at the very last line there, even so when the Son of Man returns, when he comes back, will he find this kind of undying faith on the earth? I think he knew the answer to that. Do we want to be those that allowed our faith to dwindle down, to become faithless? No. That's not God's plan for you or me, but that we would, we would walk with him from faith to faith to faith and experiencing new measures of his glory and goodness. You guys are doing good. I want to encourage you. Maybe you stand up and shake a leg or something and smack yourself if you're getting drowsy. Yeah, smack your neighbor. There you go. Well, the kids are into it. Apparently, you guys aren't. So. Yeah, yeah, you know better. Okay, Revelation 5.8. We're going to be done pretty quick here, and we're, going to, we're just going to finish off the night with a little more worship. It's going to be good. You're like, but I'm tired already. You've bored me. No. I'm just trying to encourage myself by trying to read your minds, but actually, I'm not reading your minds because I can't do that anyway. Revelation 5.8 says, I saw the young lamb approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb, who we know is Jesus, we, they saw that the lamb had taken the scroll, they fell face down at the feet of the lamb and worshiped him. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet, fragrant incense. And what is that incense? It says that incense, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers. You know, when you and I pray, when we were praying earlier, just releasing prayer before the Lord, our prayer goes up before him like incense, sweet smelling incense. Or as the Passion Translation says so passionately, the prayers of God's holy lovers. He loves you. He loves me with an everlasting love. And when we bring our prayer and our worship before him, it is a sweet fragrance to him. It smells good. It looks good to him. Let's go on. Revelation chapter 8, 3 through 5. Then the eighth angel with a golden incense burner came and took his place at the incense altar. Just keep in mind, this incense represents prayer. 
This is just how John saw it. This is his best way to describe what he saw in the realm of the spirit in heaven. He was given a great quantity of incense to offer up, consisting of the prayers of God's holy people upon the golden altar that is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the holy ones billowed up before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel filled the golden incense burner with coals of fire from the altar and hurled it onto the earth, releasing great peals of thunder, voices, lightning flashes, and an earthquake. I was just listening uh, this week to a podcast talking about what happened in Toronto in 1994 when Dr. Randy Clark came to this vineyard church of 200 people and when he, and they had been pressing and praying and asking God for more breakthrough, more healings, more of the supernatural activity of God breaking in through their lives that the Bible talks about. When Randy Clark stood up there at the end of a preaching time and said, Holy Spirit come, you could hear a crack in the room that was so loud that a woman teaching a class two rooms over through concrete walls came out of the room and said, what was that? And the moment that crack came, everyone in that room fell out under the presence of the Spirit. They were all on the floor. No one went around and laid hands and some fell, some didn't, some stood. No, everybody was out. I believe except for John Arnott, who was the, the lead pastor of the church at the time. John and Carol Arnott were the leaders of this vineyard church. I don't know about you, but this reminds me of the scripture. The incense of their prayers, the incense of our prayers goes up before the Lord. The angels are waiting to release assignments. They go up, they ascend to the throne of God and they descend and they release things from heaven into the earth. Our prayer goes up before the Lord as incense. What if the answer to our prayers culminates in a holy tossing down of the answer with fire, the fire of God coming from the altar, just breaking in on our city, not just on us. I mean, we want it for us as a church, but we want it for our whole city. We want revival to break out on our city. This is a beautiful picture of the power of our prayers, how God enjoys it in the response to the prayer. There you go. I just had to find a picture to kind of go with this. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that is what we long for. We long for more. The Word of God tells us that how much more does the Father want to give the Holy Spirit to those of us who ask. We want to do the works, the, the supernatural works that God has said we should do and will be able to do by His power working through and in us, in and through us which tells me that we need more. I need more. I need not only to be filled with the Spirit, I need a fresh baptism of the Spirit. And so do you. I'll say it for myself, but I'll say it for you too. You need a fresh baptism. You need to be showered with the glory of the God of heaven, endowed with his power, as the Passion Translation says, seized with the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to just grab us and wrap around us and clothe us with power so that we can be bold in our speech, we can be bold in our witness and boldly declare the goodness of God. 
I have a couple things before we dive back into worship. Just a couple things that might speak to where you're at. Here we go. Revelation chapter two, four through five. This is Jesus. He was speaking to the seven churches, the seven representations of the church throughout Asia at the time. And this was um, to the church of, which one was it? I can't remember if it's Thyatira, but anyway, uh, or Laodicea. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent, which means turn around, turn back around, and do the works of love you did at first. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. Maybe the young people in the room, they've never even began to do these, these things, these works that he's speaking of that they did at first. Maybe you haven't yet discovered that Jesus is the one to become your first love. The invitation is open. There's other parts where Jesus is speaking to the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door of, the, of people, of, the, of Christians. I stand at the door and knock. Sometimes he can get on the outside, not like leaving your body, because he, he did promise us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But in our relationship with him, sometimes he can get outside. We can just be so busy in our own world of stuff, doing stuff, that Jesus gets kind of pushed out. But the Bible's showing us he's standing at the door, he's knocking, and he says, if anyone would open the door, I will come in and I will feast with you. He says, I will sup with you. That's just language of intimate fellowship. He wants you and me to, to know him, to walk in intimacy with him. So there's no condemnation. There's just the call, the call to return back to him. And we're going to sum it up with this. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. Just as the veil in the temple was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And it continues on the same passage. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we can come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. There is no need for anything to keep you and me at a distance from him. He's welcoming us to come closer, to come into intimacy with him. He says, for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. Maybe you need to hear that tonight. Maybe you feel like your heart has been contaminated with the stuff of the world. His blood has been sprinkled on our hearts to remove impurity. We're gonna take communion tonight as well, but we're gonna do it as we worship. So it'll be up to you to choose when you wanna open up your communion elements but we'll do it as we're worshiping. There'll be plenty of time. You can spend some time before the Lord tonight, worship him, 
pray, lay down whatever needs to be laid down, and take the communion. Hold it before, hold it in your hands as you're worshiping him. Receive what he paid for on the cross. Healing in your body if that's what you need. Breakthrough in a situation if that's what you need. Forgiveness or cleansing of your heart if that's what you need. We'll pass that out to everybody in a minute. But it says our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Sometimes you feel like the enemy is just shouting lies in your ears and you can't, it's hard to make it stop. I just stick my, my hand on my forehead and I, I pray over my mind. I'm just like, God, just wash over my conscience. Wash over my thinking right now. Remove all of the voices that are telling me something that I know is discouraging and not true. Remove all of these things that are really becoming like, like earplugs into the ears of my spirit so that I can't hear the truth of what you say about me, what you say about my family, what you say about the people around me, what you are saying about my circumstances, what you are saying about you. The enemy wants to try to distort and lie and create static around all truth of all of those things. It's easily broken down into those things. It's your beliefs about people, about yourself, about your circumstances, and about God. That pretty much wraps it all up. I don't know what else there could be. Truth will set us free. So we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. We need to make that declaration. I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus inside and out. I have been made clean through the sacrifice that was once and for all by Jesus on the cross. And the final scripture, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. We're going to pass out the communion to you guys real quick here. Okay, I'll read this. Tammy's going to, I guess it's pretty easy to pass it out tonight. There's only two people in the room. That's for the recording. <laughs> More than two people. Okay. First Peter chapter 2, for verses 4 through 5. If you don't think we ever uh, read the scriptures in this place, well, tonight is your night. <laughs> We're making up for it. There's a lot of Bible verses here. But the truth is we need to take hold of the truth of God and allow it to speak, allow it to renew the way we think, allow the word of God to transform the way we see and believe. So 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, so keep coming to him. We need to keep coming to him over and over, day by day, maybe moment by moment, whatever you're facing, the invitation is for us to keep coming to him. Keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. We get to come to him tonight, finish off this night as living stones that he is assembling together. He is assembling us together to become a sanctuary, a dwelling place for his presence. For now, you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. 
So we're gonna do that. We're just gonna finish off the night just offering up the sacrifices of worship to him. Offering to him our hearts, our minds, our future, our plans, whatever it is, our health, our finances, whatever dreams are in your heart, whatever things that are becoming like a giant in front of you that's trying to knock you down, whatever feels like it's just too big in your life right now, and it's whatever it is that's trying to pull your focus away from God, this is our, our opportunity just to lay it all down before him and to, to minister to the Lord. And as we minister to him, he will come. He will come and minister to us. He will strengthen us. The Bible says if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. If we come in low, he will bring you up. The proud, he makes them low, but the low he brings up. That's just how he works. So we wanna to come to him just humbly with all of the cries of our hearts, with all of the things that are in us. And we just wanna, we wanna lay it before him and give him a sacrifice of praise and worship tonight. So if you guys are ready, what I would like to do also is, um, I was saying that at any point you wanna take your communion, go ahead and do that. If, if you just want to be prayed for tonight, after you take your communion, I'm going to just keep my eyes open. I'm going, to, I'm going to worship in the back. If you just raise your hand up, I will come and I will, I will take the anointing oil and I will just anoint your forehead with oil. If you want to be consecrated, you want, what does that mean? Just set apart to be a priest of God, set apart to be a minister of God, but you feel like you want someone to pray and agree with you for that then just after you take your communion, just pop a hand up. Tammy or I will come over and worship is going to happen. It'll keep going. We'll just lay hands on you. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll remind you through that, that act of, that, that physical act of anointing you. We will, that will be a reminder to you that you have been chosen by God and anointed by him to be his minister, to be his priest. Is that good? You guys okay with that? Okay. Let's just finish off the night and enjoy his presence. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we could present ourselves to you as living sacrifices, presented to you as offerings, presented to you as your priests, as ministers unto you. God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for living in a nation where we're free to worship. We're free to worship. God, we want to take advantage of that freedom. We want to give you everything. We want to worship you. We want to be your lovers, your worshipers, your priests. God, we thank you that you have commissioned us. You have commissioned us as sons and daughters, as carriers of the gospel. We will go in your name and we will minister your truth. We will minister your life. We will minister what you paid for on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, gang. We're going to officially say amen. It's still light outside. 
Maybe it felt like a longer night to you. I don't know. It's, we're done earlier than we normally get done. So, so we can take some time if you want to hang out and eat some snacks, visit a little bit. We'll do that. If you got to go, we just say blessings on you as you go. And uh, if you need more prayer, we'll pray. So that's what we're here for.